Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. So people want to hear. They want to hear encouraging things come out of your mouth. And so when you say, I'm blessed with the best, no stress, and highly favored, mean it. Because we are. You know, we are. Praise the Lord. Well, a lot of good stuff going on, but as, as uh, I don't even know what I was getting ready to say. But I was, oh, was t- Wednesday night prayer. Wednesday night prayer, some, some just amazing things are happening. Now, I, w- I want to say this and brag on God. Not bragging on us, bragging on Him. But you know, God listens to our prayers now. We've been praying that God would give us perfect weather for the drama. Last weekend, we were looking at the mountain. All, all week long, they were telling us it's going to be stormy weather, hot, yeah. hottest day of the year and everything else. And it was absolutely incredible yesterday. Hardly broke a sweat unless you were just working like Chuck. I mean, it was, it was just amazing, the, the weather God gave us. And we prayed that the mosquitoes wouldn't be there. I got bit once, just a reminder that there was a stray around. But you know, when he bit me, I heard him singing when he went off, there's power in the blood. So... It was all right. And then this one demonic one tried to get a hold of me, and I smacked him. He was, he's dead. But praise God. God is good. All the time. That's right. So we've been talking about spiritual warfare. How many know we're in a war? I mean, this is not patty cakes. This is not tiddlywinks. We are in a war. The devil is out to destroy you. He hates you. He does not like you. Because you were made in the image of the one who hates the most. And that's God himself. The devil doesn't like you. So get over that. I mean, don't think you're going to coddle up with the devil and get anything good out of him. Because there's always a bad to his end. He doesn't know. There's nothing good in him. He's a liar and a deceiver. Always has been a liar. He don't even know how to tell the truth. Because even if he tells a little bit of truth, he'll add a lie to it. In order to deceive you. But... The thing of it is, we have to understand that though we walk in the flesh, in this earth suit that's made out of flesh and bones, we don't conduct warfare according to the flesh. So this old thing of thinking, well, you know, when the enemy comes, I'll just smash his face, I'll just die. You know, you won't. If you think like that, you're going to get beat to death by the enemy. Because it's a spiritual warfare that we are in. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. We, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, the, warp, the weapons of our warfare are not in this earth suit. We can't feel. We can't touch. We can't see what the devil is doing. I mean, we see what he's doing, but we can't see it while he's doing it. That's why it's deception. The thing about deception is it's deceiving. So we can't really see what the devil is doing until it's done, until he's done his dirty deeds. And then we see what he has done. That's why James says, let no man say when he's tempted that I'm tempted of God. Let me get that straight for you. God doesn't tempt anybody. He's not tempted and he doesn't tempt anybody. But a man is tempted when? When he's drawn away with his own lust. What is lust? The things that that are, I call them illicit desires that we have inside of us. A man is tempted when he's drawn away with his own lust and enticed. And lust, when it's conceived, brings forth sin. And the finished product of sin is death. Death. Death to our dreams, death to our destiny, 
death to our eternal life itself, which is eternal separation from God. The devil does not like you. He will not bring anything good to you. So get that. Okay. So we, we don't war after the flesh. Now, here's the other thing. God has given us weapons of warfare that we can destroy the speculations and every lofty thing and all the fortresses and strongholds of the enemy and all the, 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 the things that are raised up against the knowledge of God and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's found in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. We are in a battle that's not in the realm of our senses. We are in a spiritual war. Ephesians 6 through 10-12 says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full, full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggles is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. The rulers are those spirits who have been given evil dominion by the enemy. And I was reading about that this week and, and studying about demonic oppression. And there are those demons. Remember when Jesus met the, the man, the Gadarene, at, at, the, at, the, at the tombs, and he would come out of the tombs, he was, he, he was naked, and, and he was so full of demons that they couldn't chain him down. They couldn't hold this man down. So they just basically put him in exile in the, in the tombs. They figured he couldn't hurt anything there because everything was dead anyway. So he was there and he, he recognized Jesus and he runs up to Jesus. But it wasn't the man speaking and he, and he bows down on his knee and he starts to worship. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And this demon cries out and he says, we recognize who you are, Son of God. Why have you come to torment us? Our time has not yet come. And Jesus said, who are you? And he says, my name is Legion for we are many. My name is Legion for we are many. One spirit who had dominion over all the other spirits under him had entered into this man had entered into this man and they held him in terrible bondage that's what happens when we open ourselves up in the realm of the spirit without Christ in us evil spirits will enter into us and I'm telling you folks that there are people walking around under spiritual depression and obsession and even possession, and they don't even know it. Because they are not themselves. They're not themselves. When they speak, they're not speaking of their own accord. They're speaking what the demon spirits are telling them to speak. They speak lies and deception because they are under the influence of demonic spirits, and they don't even know it. We don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. And what is their... Goal, they lie in wait to deceive. They lie in wait to deceive. Listen, if you don't know the truth, you will surely fall for a lie. That's why it's important for us to know the Word of God so that we will know what the truth is, so that we don't fall for the lies of the devil. I'm telling you, folks, this is real. This is real. This is not a fantasy. This is real. Get it. It's real. This is not a religious exercise. You don't live like hell all week long and come into church on Sunday morning and expect to experience the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit except through conviction. 
Wow. We're in a battle. We're told to take up the whole armor of God that we may be able to resist in the evil day and to be able to stand firm. But Jesus, Jesus left us with something that's the most powerful weapon that we have in our spiritual arsenal. I'm going to give it to you. Ready? Jesus. Can you say that name? Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. You can mention somebody else's name and demons will laugh at you. You can say, Allah. And they go, ha, 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 we like that guy. We will help you promote him. You can mention any other name. Demons get all excited. But when you mention the name of Jesus, they tremble. They tremble at the name of Jesus because they know that Jesus has already sealed their fate. They know they can't stand against that power of the name of Jesus. There's power. There's power. There's dunamis in the name of Jesus. There's there's yoke-destroying power in the name of Jesus. Mark 16, 17 says, and these signs shall follow or accompany who? Those who believe. Now, we have a lot of pseudo-believers. What do you mean? They're not real believers because these signs aren't following them. They're not accompanying them. They say they believe in Jesus, but there's no power. There's no authority over the devil. Well, we're just as bound as everybody else around us. There's no difference. Until we understand the authority that we have and understand that in order to have this authority and understand that we, in order to have this power, we must yield to the lordship of that name. We've got to get over ourselves and understand that it's not about us. It's about the kingdom. It's about him. It's about him. These signs will follow those who believe in my name that will cast out demons. You cast out any demons lately? They will speak with new tongues. Do you speak with tongues? Do you? If you don't, then you're not a true believer, according to this. We finagle over that. Well, is it necessary for me to speak in tongues? Was it necessary for you to go into battle with a weapon? Yes. Because if you go into battle without a weapon, you're going to get slaughtered. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a reason, there is a purpose. For the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues along with all the other gifts and the power that God has given us through the Holy Spirit. If we try to operate without the Holy Spirit in our lives, without being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, we're like trying to operate with a half-empty tank. We're going to get stuck in the middle of the battle and get destroyed. We've got to understand this. God didn't put this stuff in there. This is not made up. This is God speaking. 
This is the word of God. Do you believe the word? These signs will follow them that, that believe. They will accompany them. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. And you know what else they'll do? They'll lay hands on the sick. And they might possibly recover if it be the will of God. Is that what it says? It says not they will. They shall recover. They shall recover. They shall recover. you got to believe it. When you lay hands on somebody to be healed, you're not just asking, Lord, will you possibly heal them? You say, be healed in the name of Jesus and believe it, and it will happen. Oh, come on. If I act like I'm a little bit mad, I am. I'm mad at the devil. I hate what he's doing to people's lives. I hate what he's done to Christians. I hate watered-down religion. I hate lukewarmness. Jesus said, everybody say Jesus said. Not Pastor Don said. Jesus said, in John 14, 12 through 14, he says, truly, truly. Now, what, is, what does he mean when he says truly, truly? He says, listen to me. I'm telling you the truth. Come on, listen to me. Open your ears. Get a hold of this. Truly, truly, I say to you. He who believes in me. Do you believe in him? Yes. Who do you believe in? Who? Jesus. He who believes in me, the works that I do shall he do also. Yes. You like that? Yes. I like that. I like the next part better. Yes. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name. There's that name. The Greek says anoma. In the authority of a name. To come or to do something in or by the name of someone. Meaning using their name as their messenger or their envoy or representative. By their complete authority or with their sanction. So what it's saying is. When you do something in my name. You're doing it on my authority. And so when the devil's try to stand up against you, all you have to remind them is whose you are. I belong to Jesus. I am an ambassador of Christ. You can't stand against me, devil, because greater is he that is in me than you because you're in the world. That's right. We have a greater authority in us. It's the authority of of Jesus. Listen, folks, we've got to understand what authority we have before we're able to use it. Amen? Paul said, when I was a child, I thought as a child and I spake as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Come on now. Because as a child, sometimes we think that we have authority. So we try to manipulate our way along because we think or we assume that we have authority, but we have no real authority until we grow up 
and assume our sonship. Till we reach that place in our lives we are, when we are ready to take on that authority. Then that authority is released and Dad puts his seal in our hand and he says, Son, here's my seal. You can take this seal and you can go to the bank. Any money that I have in the, bar, in the bank belongs to you. All you got to do is say, I want this much and stamp it with my seal and it's yours. You have authority. God-given authority. Jesus said that we have this authority based upon one thing. Not just based upon using the name of Jesus. There's a danger when we use the name of Jesus without the right authority to do so. The authority is found in this, in John 1, 11, and 12. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But to as many as did receive him, to them he gave the authority to become the sons of God. That's the authority that we have. We are sons of God. We are mature sons of God, and we have authority over the devil. Woo! I thank you, Jesus. I have authority over the devil. I like what the word says in Ephesians, that he has seated us together with him in, high, in heavenly places. So if he has seated us with him in heavenly places, he has put all things under his feet. Guess what else? He's put all things under We are kingdom, kingdom children. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests and kings. Hallelujah. We have to understand what authority we have. As a child of the king, I have his authority. I have his authority. What does that mean? It means everything. That means everything. The devil has no right to trespass on my property because it belongs to the king. It belongs to the king. He has no right to invade my home with sickness. He's tried. But he hasn't been successful, thank God. He doesn't have the right. You have the right to tell him to take his nasty, stinking diseases and his lies and deception and go in the name of Jesus. How do you have that right? Well, not by being boastful and proud about it, but by humbling yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God and resisting the devil and watching him run like a chicken. Humility in the, in the, in the mind of God and the heart of God is understanding that we don't have any strength of our own that we can depend on. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want you to think about that for a minute. When, when Paul said that, he wasn't saying that boastfully. You know what he was saying? He was saying in Philippians chapter 3, he was saying, I have learned something. You know, as, as, a, as a man of God, I've learned something. There are going to be times I'm going to have everything going for me. I'm going to feel like i got the world by the tail. And he said, I've experienced those times. And, and I've experienced those times when, when, man, I felt like the world was just beating me to pieces. I know, what it's, I know what it is 
to be afflicted. I know what it is to suffer. He did. He knew what it was like. He was beaten. He was thrown in jail. He was, he was left for dead, stoned and left for dead. All of these things. He said, I was shipwrecked three times. I know what it's like. But you know what I've learned in all of this? I have learned in whatsoever state I'm in to be content. To be content. Contentment is knowing this. He reigns. He reigns. God's got it. Doesn't matter what I'm going through for the moment. These momentary afflictions that I'm going through, these temporary momentary afflictions are nothing to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. When I get on the other side of this, there's glory that awaits if we will just bear with him, if we will just declare his name, if we will just keep marching on in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. We just keep moving forward. Understand who we are in him. Ah, good gracious. When we become born again, there's a supernatural transaction that takes place. You know what happens to us as Gentile believers? Most of us are. Do we have any Jewish folks in here? I mean, you were Jewish by blood, by birth. Well, I can speak, I'm speaking to a Gentile audience here. That doesn't mean, a, that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing, actually, because it means that we are adopted in. He, is, he has sent the spirit of adoption into our hearts whereby we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. We are adopted. And you have to understand that when Paul was writing this, this, this scriptures, you know, this, this letter to the Romans, he was writing according to Roman law that, that stated that adoption, once a person was adopted, they, it was irrevocable and that they attained the same rights as natural born children in the family only they could not be disowned because they were adopted and he has sent this spirit of adoption into our hearts whereby we cry Abba Father and he's given us his authority he's given us the same seal of those natural born children of his but we're born of the spirit we're born and adopted into a royal family with God as our Father and Jesus, His only begotten Son, as the forever reigning Lord of the kingdom and of the family business. And so when we use the name of Jesus, we're using the name that's associated with the family business. It's kingdom business. Everybody say kingdom. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The violent take it by force. We have to understand, and sometimes we have to forcefully take what belongs to us. You think the enemy's going to yield that to us? No way. No way. He don't want you to understand who you are. He don't want you to understand the authority that you have as a believer. He wants you to think that, oh, I'm just such a little worm. I'm just a sinner. You were. All of us were. But I am not now. So the devil's just got to get over it. And we say, oh, but I'm just unworthy. Oh, come on now. If you were unworthy, God would have never sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. 
Oh, you're unworthy in the fact that you're a sinner, you're low down scum of the earth and all that good stuff. That's what you want to believe. But when you come to Jesus, you have to realize that God saw you and he saw you as something of great value. He saw worth in you. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why he welcomed you into his family through him and what Jesus did on the cross for you. God considered you worthy to enough that he, he, he gave everything that he had in order to save you and he has bankrupted heaven in order that you might enjoy the riches of heaven. Come on now, that was a weak amen. I, I, I've, heard, I've heard this thing all my life that we're just unworthy, we're just, I can't buy that. I don't see that in the gospel. I see that God considered us of, of immense value or else Jesus wouldn't have gone through everything that he went through. He would have never gone to the Garden of Gethsemane and got on his knees before the Father and said to him, Lord, if there's any other way for this to happen, Lord, if, if there's any other way for you to fulfill your plan, then, then, Lord, let this cup pass from me. But nonetheless, if this is the only way that's going to get done, your will be done. And the Father had already predetermined this was his plan. This is the way that it's going to happen because you are of value to him. You're adopted into his family and when we become born again and we're brought into that family, he gives us his authority to conduct family business, the business of the kingdom. And Paul gives us light on this in Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 14. If you want to turn there with me, if you can just look up here. It's for this reason also, since the day we have heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you be filled with the knowledge of his will. I've been praying that all week. God, just fill your people with the knowledge of your will. What is it that you want them to know? His will is the thelema, the desire, the determination, what he desires to happen, his purpose, his decrees, his pleasure, that we understand this in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may be able to walk in a worthy manner of the Lord and to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen with all power. That word there is the word that is found in Acts chapter Chapter 1, verse 8, and you shall receive power. Power, dunamis. When? After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. After you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have this power to be witnesses unto me. And I want to tell you the, 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 the context of that. The word witness is the word martis. And it means martyr. To be willing to lay down your life for him and to have the ability to do it. You can't do that without the power of the Holy Spirit. Some people think that they can, but when the pressure is on without the power of the Holy Spirit, they'll cave in. We can't do it in ourselves. We need the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit so that you may walk in, the, in a manner worthy of the Lord and please Him with all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. For the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joy, joyously giving thanks to the Father. And here it is, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Come on now. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Where are you living? Where are you living? Into and transferred us into the kingdom 
of his beloved son. Now some folks are still living in the dominion of darkness in this, that their minds are darkened to the fact that they are children of God, that they are true sons of God. And when I say sons, I'm not speaking of, how should I put it? It has nothing to do with our gender. It's a gender neutral statement. As a woman, you're every bit of the son of God as I am. You have every bit of shared inheritance of God as I do. So guys, if you don't like it, get over it. They're sons of God just like you and I. They have every opportunity to share into the kingdom, to be anointed as apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers just like you and I do. To teach the word of God, to preach the word of God, to flow in the anointing. And if you don't like it, take it up with God because he's the one that instituted this, not us. He's delivered us, transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And he is the, invisi- the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation. And I like this next verse in John 16, 23. And he says, in that day, this is after the death, burial, and resurrection. He says, in that day, you may ask me no question. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything, he will give it to you. How? In my name. Until now, we've asked for nothing. In my name, ask, and you might possibly receive. No? You might possibly receive it. Sometimes you'll be disappointed and sad. You know, he says, you, you will receive, you shall receive, that your joy may be made full. How many like to receive what you ask for? It's always disappointing when you don't get it. But the Bible says in, in, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, he says, if you ask, if you, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if you ask anything, if I say anything, according to the will of the Father, we know that he hears us. And because we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the petition we desire of him. It's just that simple. If you pray according to the word, if you pray the word of God, you know that God will answer. Because it's his word. And he honors his word. Sometimes the problem is we pray outside the word and we ask for things presumptively or, or foolishly. Asking for something we think we need when we really don't need it and God knows that you don't need it so we don't give it to you so we get disappointed and we get sad and upset at God. That's not God's fault. That's yours. Because you don't know the word. But if you know the word, you wouldn't pray so foolishly. You can say amen or ouch. Almost done now. Just hang with me for just a few more moments. Simon Peter. John the Beloved. <laughs> they, were, they were filling their spiritual oats as they were walking up to the temple to pray. I mean, things have been going really good for John and, and Peter since the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit there in Jerusalem, you know, on the day of Pentecost. I mean, they, they were feeling it, man. Peter had preached that awesome message on the day of Pentecost, and all these people got saved and everything. And now you fast forward, and the, and the disciples, you know, they're just, they're just 
oh man, things are busting loose in the church in Jerusalem. They're growing leaps and bounds every day. People, there's unity in the church. People are having communion together. They, they're listening to the apostles and heeding their word. They're going house to house and breaking bread together. They're giving stuff away. They're loving one another and everything's just cool. And they're actually having prayer meetings in the middle of the day. Can you imagine that? And they had built this custom so that at the 3 o'clock every day they had a prayer meeting at the temple. So Peter and John are going up to the temple to pray. And as they're going up, there's a man who had been brought there since, he, since his birth. He'd been, he'd been lame in his feet. And, and I don't know what point they started bringing him up, but some men would carry him up to the temple. And they would sit him down right there at this beautiful gate where they went into the temple. And everybody passed by. You know, the, he was an opportunistic. It was like being on the corner of the Walmart place. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all understand with a little, I will work for food thing. But he was, he was there. He was asking alms. This was the only way. This was the, this was the, the churches or, the, or the, the, the Jerusalem welfare system at that time. Was to bring them and set them at the temple. So when people were coming in, they're feeling benevolent because they're either going in or coming out. If they haven't been felt benevolent when they went in, maybe they would feel benevolent when they're coming out at the parade. You know what I'm talking about? So the guy's sitting there, he's asking alms. Peter and John are getting ready to go in. And, and, and he says, he reaches out his hand and says, alms. And Peter says, look at me. I'm dressed like a fisherman. As you can tell, we don't have any silver or gold. We don't have any money. But I got something that you need. I got something. He said, look at me. I don't have silver and gold. But such as I do have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him to his feet. He said, rise up and walk. And the man stood up, but he didn't just stand up, he sprung up. The Bible says he leaped up and he started leaping and dancing and praising the Lord. And he goes into the temple leaping and dancing and praising the Lord. And everybody's looking at him and saying, oh my goodness. Isn't that the guy that was just outside? Begging alms because he couldn't walk. He'd never walked before. Isn't that him? How did this happen? Peter and John seized on the opportunity. They began to preach. And says, you suppose that we did this. We didn't do that. Oh, we did, but we didn't. You see, it was through the name of Jesus that this man was made whole. Through the name of Jesus that he was made whole. Some people rejoiced and some people didn't. And using the name of Jesus and standing in the authority of Jesus caused them triumph and it caused them some pain because the religious people didn't like it. Religious people don't like it when you exercise your authority in Jesus because it upsets their apple cart. But when we operate in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we're doing kingdom business. Don't worry about the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious people. Just do what God has put in your heart to do. Why am I saying all this today? Because, folks, I want you to be free. I want you to be free. Peter and John understood the power that they possessed. It wasn't their silver and the gold. It was what they had inside of them. What I want you to get a hold of today is this, that you are a child of God. First, uh, John 1, 11 and 12. God gave you that authority. 
And I want you to understand that the power of the name and the authority that's given to you is greater than any other power on earth. It's the most powerful weapon in your spiritual arsenal, but it's only available to those who have a covenant relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We see one example where some people tried to use the name of Jesus outside of covenant in Acts chapter 19 at the church at Ephesus. We see when Paul and Silas had gone up to Ephesus to, 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 to preach to them. And they went. And they were, they, they were, they were going around and, and casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And, and, and some of the local exorcists started using the name illegally, without authority, to try to cast out demons. And they were going around using the name of Jesus. And there were these seven sons of a priest by the name of Sceva. And they were trying to cast a demon out of this man. And they said, in the name of of Jesus Christ, whom Paul preaches, we command you to come out. And the demon says, Jesus we know. (laughs) And Paul we know, but who are you? And they jumped on all, and this one man jumped on all seven of them. Beat them to a pulp and they run out of the house naked. Because they tried to use the name of Jesus without proper authority. The name of Jesus belongs to kingdom people. It belongs to the sons and daughters. It would be like me trying to go in and write a check in Chuck's name and cash it without his authorization. He wouldn't like it very much. It would probably get me arrested. Same thing here. We must operate in the authority that God has given us. To use the name as sons and daughters. But you and I have that authority. And we can use that name in the name of Jesus. When we use that name, things happen. Power is released. Power is restored. Relationships are restored when we use the name of Jesus. You've been listening to Destiny City Church a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.